Today, we start a brand new series entitled, Get Your Ship Together. Come on, somebody. I said ship. Watch your mouth, all right? I didn't watch where you're going with that. Calm down. Get your ship together. Now, again, it's using kind of a provocative method to really send a message because there's so many instances in the Bible where we see where where we see where a boat is being used, where we see uh, watercraft is being used, where we see um, uh, a ship being used, and we have these instances in the Bibles where some of the greatest miracles and some of the greatest life lessons we get to see in the context of a boat, in the context of a watercraft, in the context of a ship. And I believe there's so much that we can glean from these texts. We have texts like Noah, we have texts like Jonah, we have texts like Paul, and they're all in the context of a boat. And in today's part, part one, Mark chapter four, we're in the same scenario. We are in a boat. Now in the next few weeks, I gotta tell you, you wanna be here for every single week in this series. Now this is four week commitment. So you're saying, hey, I'm going to tune in for the four weeks. Our online audience, we want you to tune in at least for the next four weeks. And the word ship is going to be used figuratively to talk about family, to talk about speech, to talk about our lives. In other words, there's a whole lot of ship in our lives that we got to get together. Come on, somebody. I think I'm going to end up on a website by the end of this series. Today we start this series, Get Your Ship Together. In Mark chapter 4, I want to read it to us. And it says, start reading from verse 34. It says, it was evening on the same day and Jesus said to them, let us go over to the other side. After sending the people away, they took Jesus with them in a boat. And it was the same boat he used when he taught them. Other little boats went along with them. Other little boats went along with them. Now, the boat that they weren't in was in a little boat. In other words, it was a ship. A bad windstorm came up. The waves were coming over the side of the boat, and it was filling up the water. And Jesus was in the back part of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. They woke him up, crying, Teacher, do you not care? We are about to die. Do you not care that we're about to die? Verse 39, he says, I, he got up and spoke sharp words to the wind and he said to the sea, be quiet, be still. At once the wind stopped blowing. There were no more waves. And he said to his followers, and I think this is really intriguing because he looks at his followers almost with a sense of expectation. Almost like he expected a different response from them. And he says this, he says, why are you so full of fear? Do you not have faith? They were very much afraid and said to each other, who is this that even the waves and the winds obey him? I, I, I want to read this again. He says, why are you so full of with fear. He says, he says, do you not have faith? And it says that they were very afraid and said to each other, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? The title to my message is scared shipless. Scared shipless. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for these next moments that we have together, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that even in the midst of a, what may be seen, what may seem as a provocative method to reach your people, I truly believe that we will do anything short of a sin to reach those you love, God. So I pray, Lord God, that you speak through me. I pray that you use my voice, oh God, to be your vessel, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Give God a shout of praise in this room. Uh, we have a, a, a child dedication today, so I'm going to try to be 45 minutes. Come on. Can we, can we welcome? Come on, can we welcome? Um, you know, 
Many of you know that when I was in Dominican Republic, let's just be honest, I didn't have, I wasn't going through the best of times. When I was in Dominican Republic for, for uh, oh, two weeks, almost three weeks in Dominican Republic, I was not having a good time. I was out there in the streets. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was out there fighting tarantulas. I was out there fighting venomous bees. I was out there in the pitch black dark. Pastor George was like, Pastor Roe, I've never seen this side of you. And I was like, well, I've never seen this side of me. <laughs> and so, it's, but, but can I be honest? That's not what got me. What really got me, what really got me was a phone call that I had with my mom. So while I'm out there and I'm sharing these things with her, and she goes, oh my God, Rolando. You're out there alone. And I'm like, well, I'm six foot one. Like I'm, you know, she's like, no, 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 no. Rolando, you have to be careful. People of your complexion get kidnapped. <laughs> and all of a sudden I saw myself six foot one, trapped, wrapped, kidnapped somewhere in a dungeon. And I just kept seeing a bunch of people in motorcycles running after me with machetes. I don't know why, with machetes, I don't know what happened. But that phone call, something happened. I'm gonna be honest. And I got filled with fear. I got filled with fear at that precise moment. I am filled with fear. Now that is an unusual feeling for me because I never feel fear. But in that precise moment, I felt this emotion of fear. And while I'm dealing with this fear, fast forward, watch this. I, I come over now to Staten Island. I'm in my, the comfort of my own home. I am chilling. I'm going for a walk. And while I'm going for a walk, take, take a look at what happens. I go for a walk and a guy pulls by my side. Now he was 60 years old. He comes by my side, this guy, six-year-old man, pulls up at the side of me and he says, hey, can you help me? Now, I'm going to be honest. I looked at him like I've never looked a person that pulled over to me ever before. And I looked at him and I felt like Lisa in the gas station. And I was like, help you with what? And he, and he was like, no, I just need it. I need you to help me get this big, heavy box. He's like, I can't do it. I used to be able to do it, but I can't do it. I need you to help me get this big, heavy box into my car. And I'm like, you're making it worse. He's like, no, I need you to get, please, please. He's like, please, I'll pay you. Now, can I be honest? Normally, I would have been easy going. I'd be like, oh, come on, show, show me where it's at. So let's go. And I'm like, where is it? He goes, it's in the back parking lot. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, this must be what Lisa feels like 24-7. Because I saw 20 different scenarios that could have happened right then and there. I'm like, she would have been proud. So I'm there, and I normally would have helped this man. I would have normally said, hey, I'm, 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 let's go, let's go. But I, but I was in a moment of, like, tension. In that precise moment, I, had a, like, I felt like I had a decision before me. And normally, I would have just jumped to the opportunity of helping someone. He was like, hey, man, I'll pay you. And, and I made a decision. I was like, I realized that I was still carrying the fear that I experienced in Dominican Republic. I realized that at that precise moment, there was a choice that's being placed before me. And what I decided to do was shake off the fear and help this man. And I said, take me to this place. And he took the car. We drove to his house. I went inside this man's house. I picked up this box with a hand truck, we put it inside his car. Now, I don't know if I was an accomplice to anything that day, but I know that I helped that man. <laughs> now, I kept walking and I just had this thought because I said I was faced with this, with this decision. I was in a situation because I was there thinking, was I going to let a moment of fear to become a lifestyle of fear? Like, I really thought about that. Was I going to allow an emotion that I experienced temporarily to be a reaction that I give into consistently? Well, it's crazy how quickly we can go from an emotion that I possess to an attitude that possesses me. I thought about that because I carried over the fear that I experienced in Dominican Republic now to translate into my everyday life. And if we're not careful, an experience we took hold of in a moment can become a pattern of lifestyle of fear that takes hold of us. 
You got angry, but somehow we've allowed that anger to lead us to a lifestyle where anger takes hold of you. Oh, you got jealous, but somehow you allowed that moment of jealousy to lead you into a lifestyle where now jealousy has taken hold of you. Oh, you got bitter, but now you have allowed the bitterness to lead you to a lifestyle where now it's no longer you experiencing bitterness. Bitterness has taken hold of you. And watch what happens. If we're not careful, what begins to take place is that we begin to tie ourselves to this emotion where it becomes our temperament and ultimately it becomes our identity, which we now live with for the rest of our lives. What was meant to be a moment that you experience becomes a lifestyle you live. It's a lifetime. And what happens is that we end up making like a lifetime commitment to a way of thinking. I'm going to be honest, that's what ends up happening. We begin making a lifetime commitment. Can I tell you that there's only a few things in life that are meant to be a lifetime commitment? I perform weddings all the time, and when I, I just performed a wedding two weeks ago, and I was able to sit with a couple and, and talk to them and, and counsel them. And you know what I say? I say, hey, listen, I need you to know something, that this commitment is not a contract. It is a covenant that you are making for a lifetime. I said a lifetime. Time, commitment, 50 years, same person. Lifetime commitment that you are making with. So this is not something that is optional. This is not something that, you know, 10 years from now, you're like, okay, I don't think we're going to renew this contract. No, this is a lifetime commitment. Marriage is a lifetime commitment, but it's one of the few commitments that are lifetime. And I really heard the Holy Spirit said, there's too many of my children that have made a lifetime commitment with resentment when it was, always, it was only meant to be an experience that they had. There's too many of my children that have made a lifetime commitment. You know what lifetime commitment means? It means till death do us part. That means the only time Lisa and I are going to separate is in death, but I still feel like Lisa hasn't got it because I see her in heaven looking up after me say, I see him hollering at Mary Magdalene. Where you at? Where you at? So you gonna... All right, we're going to worship Jesus, but wait till we get in the break room. In other words, the only time you experience separation from that commitment is till death do us part. And I, and I heard God say, I don't want people to experience freedom only on that side of eternity. Like, there's so many of us that are married to anger, and we're only going to experience freedom from anger on that side of eternity. When God wants you to experience freedom right now. And I don't know about you, but I'm not sticking to a relationship that was only meant to be a moment to be a lifetime. I, I really believe that we came to serve notice to the enemy today and serve divorce papers to any anger, to any form of, of lifestyle, to any form of mentality. We came to say, hey, this is not meant to be a lifetime. God doesn't want what you experience in an isolated moment to be a mentality that you embrace for a lifetime. If you believe that in this praise, give God a shout of praise. Just because it was a moment you experienced, it doesn't have to become a lifestyle you live. See, the reason that we're calling this series Get Your Ship Together is because there are some things that God has called us to keep in order. There's some areas in our lives in which God has called us to walk according to his heartbeat. And he doesn't want a moment to become a lifestyle. He doesn't want a behavior to become a mentality. See, God loves you so much and he loves you just as you are, the way you are, where you are. But he loves you so much that he won't, he's not willing to keep you where you are. See, God doesn't want, God is going to be there in the moments of failure, but he doesn't want for his children to live a lifestyle of failure. See, God, see God, God doesn't want you to, to, God understands that you will experience moments of mistakes, but God doesn't want you to live a lifestyle of mistake. God will love you in the midst of your mistakes. God will love you in the midst of your trials. God will love you in the midst of your situation. He loves you the way you are, as you are, with everything that you got going on, with all the past that you've experienced. He loves you so much. He loves you right there where you are. You don't have to change a day in your life for God to start loving you. God loves you right there, right now, where you are. 
But his love compels you to not love you just where you are, but to help you out of where you are. That's the love of the Father. And so when I hear the tone in this conversation that he's having with his disciples after he wakes up, is a tone of expectancy. It's a tone like he's, like he has this expectation that his disciples know better. You ever had a conversation with somebody that's trying to play ignorant, but you know they know better? Come on, somebody. Don't look at the person next to you. See, like I remember that day as if it was yesterday as I was presented with a set of choices that I was looking at my situation and I was like, am I gonna, am I gonna, am I gonna shrivel, shrivel over or coward to fear? This is a 60-year-old man who's asking me to help me with a box, and I'm over here rehearsing and repeating the fear that I had in Dominican Republic. And I decided, am I going to go based upon my experience or go based upon his word? And I just decided to say, hey, he didn't give me a spirit of fear, but he gave me a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And this, this is why God expects of his children, because he's given you what he expects from you. It's almost like a loving father. So when you hear this message, as you hear me communicate today, I want you to hear it like a loving father, like a loving coach. This is not the, the, the kind of message that you're going to hear that's kind of like, oh, you can do it. You got everything. Now, there are messages that are great. I love those messages too. And they are for a time and for a season. There are times that Jesus had to speak to his disciples in that manner. But there was also times that Jesus had to speak to his disciples like, hey, I need you to get your ship together. You guys are so scared right now. You guys are so scared. It's like, what is going on? Right? So, so, so this is the tone of the message. Hey, man, I've I, I, I poured into you so much. I know you can do it. It's almost like a coach in a basketball game that said, hey, man, I know what you can do in practice. I've seen it. We've developed. We've grown. We've matured. And now we're expecting you to get, win the championship. And I know you can because I've deposited it in you. The reason that I know you know the answer to the test is because I've given you the answer. The reason that I know that you can pass the test is because I've given you the answer. The reason that I know that you can unlock the chains that bind you is because I've given you the key. The reason that I know that you can win is because I put victory on the inside of you. This is what Jesus is saying. He's talking to his disciples and he has this expectation of them to have faith. Why? Because he placed faith on the inside of them. He's like, why is it that you're filled with fear and where is the faith that I placed on the inside of you? See, see because when you read this text in verse 35, I love it because it says it was, it was evening of the same day. It was evening of the same day and Jesus said to them, let us go over to the other side. After sending the people away, they took Jesus with them in the boat and it was the same boat he used when he taught them. It was the same ship, the same day, not a different day. It was the same ship that they were being tested in that they had already been taught by Jesus in. Isn't it interesting that you can be tested in the same place you were taught? Isn't it interesting that in the same place you receive blessing, you can also experience burdens? Isn't it interesting that in the same place that you can experience opportunity, you can also experience obstacles? You know what that is telling me? is that if I'm experiencing an obstacle in the same situation that I, if I'm experiencing an obstacle in the same situation that I've also experienced opportunity, it's because God is testing me, but he's giving me the answers to the test and he's leading me to victory. So, so when I was in, in this moment down the block from my house, I, had a, I really felt like I was faced with a choice. Am I going to coward to fear? Am I going to give in to what I experience in a moment? Or am I going to shake it off and walk in the answers God has already given me? Isn't it interesting that I know all the Bible verses, I know all the scriptures, I recite them, I teach them, I preach them. When it came down to a storm, I allowed it to shake me. 
So that's what I want to present to us today. I, I really believe that if we're going to get our shit together, okay, we have to make a decision. And the decision is this. Listen, listen to this. Will we choose to depend on our capability or trust in God's character? I want you to write that down in your notes. Will you, we choose to depend on our capability or trust in God's character? My friends, there is something about a storm that can quickly reveal what it is you truly trust in. Ooh! There is something about a storm that will quickly reveal to you what it is you truly trust in. You know what I realized about me in Dominican Republic? That what I really trusted, trusted in wasn't in God's protection. It was in my ability to protect myself. But the moment I realized that I had no way of protecting myself, it revealed to me that my faith wasn't really in God. It was really in myself, and I was just giving God the credit. I was like, yeah, it's God. God protects me. But no, I was really trusting in Roe. I was really trusting in my size. I was really trusting in my experience. I was really trusting in my capability to communicate. I was really trusting in my capability to defend myself. I was really trusting in me. But the moment I hit a situation where I couldn't, I realized that my trust was really not in God and trusting in his character, but it was trusting in myself. And I want you to look at these, the life of these fishermen because look at it this way. Here you have these fishermen who were used to depending on a boat to keep them safe in the middle of a storm. Did you notice that? That you have fishermen that they're in the middle of a storm. You know what they're used to? They're used to dealing with storms. But you know what they're used to trusting in? The capability of their boat. And so I see these fishermen who are trusting in themselves in the middle of a storm. See, the storm wasn't the problem. The storm was revealing to them what the real problem was. And what the real problem was is that they were trusting in their capability rather than trusting his character. And what you will see here is that you see the disciples. Now, before there's a Matthew chapter 4, there's a Matthew chapter 2, and there's a Matthew chapter 3. By this time, they would have already seen Jesus forgive people's sins. They would have already seen Jesus heal people. They, will, they would have already seen Jesus make a paraplegic be able to walk. They would have already seen Jesus heal a man's shriveled up arm. They would have already seen Jesus perform these miracles. But watch this. They were also participating the miracles, in the miracles. Because in Mark chapter 2, it says that he gave them, Mark chapter 3, it says he gave them power and authority to cast out devils, to heal the sick, and to do miracles. And he says he sent them out. So could you imagine that these guys are performing miracles? These guys are making the eyes of the blind see. These guys are, are seeing people being raised. He's seeing people that, that are afflicted, be healed. These, this is what they are seeing. But now they're in the middle of a storm. And in that moment, they went back to trusting themselves. See, because sometimes when you go back to the familiar, you forget to trust God even in the familiar. See, sometimes when you're in the, when you're in the familiar, see, like, so like I could see them like, oh, we're with Jesus. We're going to go heal the sick. We're going to go rebuke demons. We're going to go do all that. But now they're back to their familiar place and they forgot to trust in the one who's controlling the oceans. They forgot to trust in the one whose character is flawless and is always with them. See, as they were... As their boat was being filled with water, their hearts were being filled with fear. See, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but there's so many of us that we, God knows what he's placed on the inside of you. He's just waiting for us to walk in it. And their hearts were be, being filled with fear. Their hearts were being filled with anxiety their, their hearts see see the boat was being filled with water but their hearts were being filled with fear but what you don't realize it's not the water that hits the boat that sinks the boat it's only the water you allow to get in your boat that sinks your boat see it's, let me tell you 
It's not the, the fear that surrounds this world that's going to crush you. It's not the anxiety that surrounds this world that's going to crush you. It's only the anxiety you allow to seep into your soul that begins to make you lose trust in the character of God. And I can just imagine, Peter, I just want to read this. It says, and a bad wind storm came, and the waves were coming up over the side of the boat, and it was filling up the boat. And Jesus was in the back part of the boat, sleeping on a pillow, and they woke him up crying, Teacher, do you not care? You know, Peter had to be an eight. He had to be an eight on the Enneagram. Like, teacher, do you not care that we're about to We're about to die. I can just imagine Peter. Like, we're about to, Master, can't you see? I'm about to die. You ever get, like, you ever go through something so small and they, like, you just, like, we're about to die. We're, like, you know what I'm saying? That's how I felt in Dominican Republic. I was out there, I was like, honey, goodbye. Right, because we could go, we could go from zero to 60 real quick and I could just see Peter in my, in my imagination, like, I could see Peter, oh my God, we're about to lose, I, I'm about to lose my ship. That was funny, I worked on that all day, like, that was... <laughs> Jesus, I'm about to die. Can't you see that? I'm about to lose my, my ship. And, and Matthew's over here like, oh, no ship, Sherlock. And then you have Judas over here. And Judas is like, well, guess what? Ship happens. And so I can just imagine Jesus. Jesus is like, Peter, you have your trust in a boat? You have your trust in a boat? This is just a piece of ship. <laughs> It's coming on. It's, Lord, I know it's going to take some time. It's just going to take some time. So many years you've been trusting in this boat to save you from a storm. Because you've been trusting in your own capability, in your own competence, rather than trusting in the character of the one who controls the storm and controls the seas. And controls the situation that is bringing you fear. See, I was in a fearful situation, but God was in control of the situation that I was allowing to bring me fear. And I can imagine Jesus just telling him, what you need to do is to trust in our relationship. Trust in me. You've been depending on this boat to get you to the other side, but it is I who said, let us go to the other side. And if I said that we're going to go to the other side, if I said we're going to go to the other side, then you can trust in my character. If I said that we're going to get to the other side, then you can trust that I'm going to sustain you. If I told you that you're going to make it, then you can trust that I'm going to lift you up. If I told you that you're going to get to the other side, it doesn't matter what storm you go through. It doesn't matter what financial breakthrough you go through. It doesn't matter what breakdown you go through. It doesn't matter what kind of fear you experience. It doesn't matter what kind of difficult situation you're a part of. If I said you're going to get to the other side, then trust in my character. Ro, if I said that you're going to finish a three-week fast, then trust in my character. See, the storm wasn't the problem. And can I be honest? Sometimes we think the storms in our lives are the problem. Lord, get rid of this storm. See, the storm wasn't the problem. The storm was simply revealing what the real problem was, that they had more trust in themselves than they did in his character. And isn't it like the enemy to attack you first in your belief in God's good character? See, but I believe that there's a different response. I believe that there's a response that God is expecting from his children. That he, yeah, he's going to rescue you. That he's going to respond with his grace that he's going to be there, but there's something about our God that he has an expectancy of those that he's poured into. That he, see, the reason I know you have value is not because you say you have value. It's because I know God placed value on the inside of you. 
The reason I know you have purpose is not because some guru told you you had purpose. It's because I know that God placed purpose on the inside of you. And what he does is that he places it on the inside of you so that he can bring it out of you and demonstrate it to the world. So, I believe we can have a different response. God, I trust in your character that if you heal the lame man, you can take me out of the storm. That if you heal the man with the withered arm, you can calm the seas. That we are in a boat that can be controlled by storms, but we're in a storm that can be controlled by our God. God is saying, why do you have fear? Why is it that you have faith? Because I'm not the one that deposited fear in you. What I deposited in you was faith. And so are you going to trust in your capability and depend in your capability or are you going to trust in God's character? I really believe that. Like in our lives, so many areas in our lives, the reason why we can't seem to get it together is not for any other reason that we simply keep reverting back to trusting in our own capability. And God is saying, my son, my daughter, I'm just waiting for you to trust in my character. You got financial issues? Okay, I get it. You're going through a financial storm. Trust in my character. Okay, I get it. You're dealing with singleness, but guess what? I need you to trust in my character. I get it right now. You're going through a difficult job situation, but I need you to understand something. Trust in my character. I get it. You got aspirations and you got goals and you're getting frustrated that you can't seem to achieve them, but guess what? I need you to do something for me. I need you to trust in my character his word says that perfect love casts out fear and it says it this way it says and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love if what if we're still afraid if we're still afraid the second thing i want to give you today is and this is the last option the list the last set of options that i want you to choose from it's a choice you have the choice. You make the decision. Will we choose to react in panic or remain in peace? Will we choose to react in panic and remain in peace? And you know what's funny? That as I was, I was working this out because I, I know that oftentimes our knee-jerk knee reaction is to, is to panic. When we're going through a storm and it's revealing where our trust really is, we end up panicking. You ever been there? You ever been there? Like your worship looks like this. Oh my God. That, that's what your worship looks like? You ever been there? I've been there. I've been at that place where my worship looks like a panic. It's like, and, and this, is what I, this is what I've written in the past. We're not going to react in panic. We're going to respond with power. You know what the Holy Spirit showed me? He said that there are some times that the appropriate response is not power, it's peace. I said, what do you mean? He said, look at my son. His go-to reaction was not to shut the waves and the winds. His go-to reaction was to remain in peace. I saw that and I said, wow, can it be that oftentimes we are either panicking or just responding with the wrong thing when God just simply wants you to remain in peace? Okay, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm in, this middle of, I'm in the middle of a storm. See, Jesus wasn't, you know what Jesus wasn't doing? He wasn't like, peace be still. No, he did that for them. But did you see his posture? He kept his peace. And sometimes God is just waiting for you to walk in what he's placed on the inside of you. I'm going to remain in peace. I'm going to remain, okay, I get it. I'm going through a financial situation, but I'm going to remain in peace. Let them talk about me. I'm going to remain in peace. Come on, somebody. Let them say what they say, but I'm going to remain. I've literally told some people, hey, stop talking to me about a person that's talking about me. And I know there's good meaning people that will be like, hey, you know, I just, you know, so I'm like, hey. I don't want to know anymore. I, 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 I saw it too. Why? Because what I'm showing is that I'm choosing to instead of reacting in panic, to remain in peace. 
So let them talk about you. Let them criticize. Let, let the situation seem like it's getting worse and worse and worse. Because when you're in a storm, guess what? When you get to the eye of the storm, it gets more difficult and more difficult. And sometimes you have to go through the mo more difficult for you to possess the most peace. Remain in peace. Look what he says. He says, why were you so fearful and afraid? Verse 40. He says, why are you so full of fear? Do you not have faith? I like the way the Living Bible says it. It says, why were you so fearful? Don't you even yet have confidence in me? Did you see that? Like, don't you still have confidence in me? Why are you still responding the same way you used to respond before you met me? Now, again, this is not a guilt trip approach. This is just Jesus talking to them like a loving father. Like, hey, like, I have these conversations with my kids all the time. Matter of fact, I, I, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and my coach one time, you know what he told me? He, I, he was submitting me left and right. He kept submitting me and submitting me and submitting me, and I just got frustrated. And he's like, yo, Ro, why are you still trying to power out of moves? Why is it that you're still trying to, why are you still spazzy? Why are you still trying to, trying to power out of everything? And I was like, because I don't know what else to do. I looked at him, and I said that. My black belt. I looked at him and I said, because I don't know what else to do, bro. You know what he told me? He said, that's not true. Because I taught you how to get out of those moves. You just haven't put it into practice. As the worship team comes up. That's what he said. He's like, he's like, he's like bro. Come on, let's be honest, bro. You might, you might tell yourself that. You might tell yourself you don't know better. You might tell yourself you don't know what else to do, but I know better because I taught you better. I showed you how to keep your composure, peace, how to keep your composure, but you keep reacting to every single attempt of a submission and try to power yourself out and use your own strength. When I'm seeking for you to keep your composure and keep your peace and use the techniques that I've given you so that you can reverse those moves. And we might be here in this place and we might be sitting frustrated and, and still reacting like this is what God is telling us. It's like, hey, I've been with you long enough now. I've loved you. I've empowered you. I've placed purpose on the inside of you. I've given you peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm just waiting for you to stop reacting with panic methods and start waiting for you to finally remain in peace. I wonder what it would look like the next time you dealt with the storm. You know how many storms these guys dealt with? Never in the life of Jesus do you ever see them react properly in the middle of a storm. Every single time. It's just like, at one point, the most patient person in all of human history says, how long must I be with you? It's almost as if Jesus was like, you know better already. Trust in your knower what I've deposited on the inside of you. Why do you keep going back to reacting to a storm like an ordinary fisherman when I've empowered you to remain in peace? Why do we keep approaching certain things? That's why, I, for me, I... I see this applied in every area of our life. Like, it's almost like God as a good coach is saying, hey, my child, my daughter, my son, you don't, he you don't have to keep reacting emotionally to those situations. Why is it that you keep going through the same storm and reacting the same way? Who gave you that? Who gave you that fear? Who gave you that bitterness? Who gave you that way of thinking? Who gave you that anger? Who gave you that unforgiveness? Because I didn't give you that. What I gave you was peace. What I gave you was faith. Where is your, where is the faith that I gave you? It's like a loving coach. I see this with my son all the time. I'm like, but I know what you can do because I've trained with you. And so, and so God is simply 
calling you to live up to the standard that he's empowered you to live. And he says, nah, nah, I'll pick you up from the storm as many times as I need to. But I also need you to know that I'm expecting you to walk in the power and in the peace that I've given you. I'm, I'm not here just to, to be a rescuer. I'm here to train you. And I'm here to empower you to walk in victory. This last passage of scripture in Mark chapter 35 says Jesus was in the back part of the boat and what was he doing? Say it with me. He's sleeping. He's going through a storm but he's not reacting to the storm. He's kept in his position. He's going through the situation but the situation's not going through him. And I came to tell somebody today, hey, stop letting other situations and other people have the remote control to your life. Like, I see, I see people like, people have the remote control to your life. Oh, I'm going to raise her volume. I'm going to shut her volume off. Oh, I'm going to change. Oh, you're changing colors. You're changing colors. you letting people change your colors. Oh, I'm changing channels. Sometimes I got action. Sometimes I got comedy. Sometimes I got... You let people... I need you to take your control back. I need you to take your control back. Taking it back? I need you to take your control back. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but God is saying, hey, those days of dealing and allowing people to control you on the inside and to control you emotionally, I'm waiting for you to remain in your peace. I'm waiting for you to remain in your power. I'm waiting for you to remain in the faith that I've given you. I'm waiting for you to just walk in it. Walk in it. Stop allowing other people. Stop allowing storms. Stop allowing situations to get on the inside of you and bring you down. Start walking in the peace that I've given you. If you're ready to walk in the peace, I dare you to give God a shout of praise in this place. If you're saying, listen, I'm going to remain in peace, let them talk about me. Let me go through what I'm going through, but whatever I'm going through, I'm not going to allow it to get on the inside of me. Woo! All right, 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 right. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I'm done. Here we go. Woo! When Bishop, my son Bishop is 16 years old. I know what you're thinking. I don't look old enough to have a 16-year-old, but I do. But I was one of those parents when Bishop was a baby. He was a little baby. 2005, brought him to the house, my firstborn son. And I was like, I, I was one of those parents that I said, I will never give my son a pacifier. And then I had two nights without sleep. And I was like, God bless you, son. And I remember Bishop crying, he was crying. I don't know what was going on, he was just crying. And he was dealing with a sickness and he was dealing with something because he was throwing up and I just popped him a pacifier. And that boy was, hmm. My baby Bishop. How many of you know that Bishop right now is six foot one, 205 pounds? Watch this, watch this. That pacifier was able to soothe him when he was a baby. But how many of you know first year, second year? How many of you know if you saw a bishop walking in with a pacifier right now, you'd be like, sorry, I'm scared something's wrong. Why? Because there's an expectancy of growth. In other words, that pacifier at one point was able to soothe him emotionally. But as you grow older, God is expecting of you to develop where you don't need something external to pacify your emotions. So there's an expectancy now where God is saying, I know at one time the pacifier was a blessing for you, but if you stick to keeping to that way of pacifying your emotions, it's now going to become a hindrance to the, way, the place I'm trying to take you. See, because the pacifier was a blessing to me and him while he was a baby. But if I love that child, I know that that one day that pacifier is going to be a curse to him if I don't remove it from his life. 
and there's some of us that we're going through panics because God is trying to remove something from your life not to hurt you not to destroy you but to allow you to walk into everything that he has for you he wants you to walk in victory he wants you to walk in maturity but he knows that you're still relying in the flesh and you're still relying in your emotional needs and you're still relying on something to pacify you externally he says my daughter my child what I place on the inside of you is greater than anything that you can try to attain on the outside of you I'm willing to give you peace not the peace that the world gives but a peace that surpasses all understanding that you can sleep Woo! you can sleep in the middle of a storm hey why is it that you're not losing your mind because I'm keeping my peace why is it that they're talking about you and you're not talking about them? Because I'm keeping my peace. Why is it that you've lost your job and it still doesn't feel like you've lost your job? Because I'm keeping my peace. Why is it that you can go through a divorce and still hang high? Because I'm keeping my peace. Why does it feel like you lost your job and it doesn't look like you lost your job? Because I'm keeping my peace. Why does it look like you've gone through hell and back? Because I... Watch this, watch this. Last thing. Yeah, look at Jesus and I say this no go back to Mark Mark I said if Jesus was sleeping and Jesus was at peace so I can be but watch this I look at the life of Peter can I show it to you I said isn't it crazy that while Jesus was alive they never got their ship together But after Jesus Christ died for their sins, was buried and resurrected, look what I found in Acts chapter 12. Watch this. You're going to like this. About the time King Herod moved against some of the believers and killed the apostle James. Remember what Peter said in the storm? He said, we're about to die oh he was exaggerated see because fear will just magnify what you have but watch this and he killed James verse 3 when Herod saw how much this displeased the Jewish leaders he arrested Peter during the Passover celebration and imprisoned him placing him under the guard of the 16 of how many soldiers 16 soldiers Herod's intention was to deliver Peter to the Jews for what? Execution. But earnest praise was going up to God from the church for his safety and all the time he was in prison. Now watch this. The night before he was to be executed. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus was asleep in the middle of a storm and Peter was panicking. Now Peter is not going through some water storm. He's in, he's in a serious situation. The day before he's actually about to die, he's in prison and he's wrapped in chains and there's 16 soldiers that are around him. Lisa sleeps next to me and it's hard for me to sleep with her sitting next to me because she's a big person in a little body but it doesn't look like it. I'm telling you, when we're sleeping, it's like this. And it's like, the Bible says that there were two, he was wrapped in chains. He, he was in prison. He had guards to his left and guards to his right. But you know what he was doing? Oh, he wasn't panicking. He wasn't losing his mind. He wasn't worried. He wasn't saying, God, I'm about to die. Can you do something about it? No. He says, I remember when I was in the boat. I remember when I was in the boat. And, and, and my pastor, my savior, my Jesus was sleeping. And if he can sleep, then I can sleep too. I don't care. Bring me what you want to bring me. Whatever situation, whatever circumstances, you know what my position is? My position is a rested position. My position is a peaceful position. My position is one that says, I'm going to remain. Because Jesus was, because Peter was becoming more like Jesus and less like Peter. What does God want for us today? He wants us to make a decision.
we going to depend on our capability or we're going to trust in his character? He's like, my son, I'm just waiting to put into practice what I've already given you. I'm waiting. Okay, I get it. I get it. You want to panic? You can panic until death do us part. You can do that. But you can also experience freedom on this side of eternity. You don't need that fear. You don't need that. That anxiety is not a lifetime commitment. That fear is not a lifetime commitment. That addiction is not a lifetime commitment. That lust, you might say, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to be lustful my entire life. No, no. He says you can experience freedom on this side, this side of eternity. You don't need, you can serve divorce papers to that. You can stop panicking and now walk in the victory that I've given you. How? By remaining in your peace. If you believe that in this place, give God a shout of Give God a shout of praise. I want to pray for you. If you're in this place, I just want to pray. I'm going to ask you to get up on your feet, bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you're in this room and you say, Pastor Ro, I know this message was a little provocative and religiously awkward. If you're watching in online and you say, Pastor Ro, that's me. I've realized that my storm have only revealed who I really trust in and it's been myself this whole time. But I'm ready to trust in your character and I'm ready to remain in peace. If that's you in this place and you wish for me to pray for you, I want to pray for you. All I need you to do is just lift up your hand right there where you are at the count of three. Also, if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor Earl, I would like for Jesus to start steering my ship. I've been, I've been steering this boat and I've been going in circles and I just need Jesus to come into my life. If that's you in this place, I need you to lift up your hand at the count of three. He says, I want to place my faith in Jesus. I want to place my faith in you. That's you at the count of three. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today's your day. Three, lift up your hand all over you, all over this room. Come on. Come on. I see the hand. 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 I see. You can put your hand right back down. Put your hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I receive your love. Therefore, I give you my life. I thank you for forgiving my sins. I believe in you as my savior and the captain of my boat. Steer me in the right direction. I believe that from this day forward, I am a new creation and I will trust in your character and I will remain in peace. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. Come on, can we give God a shout of praise in this room? We're about to jump into worship. Can you come and join me in this altar right now as we begin to sing these songs to God? Come on, begin to worship our King.